we're going to do for the next 30 days is spend uh, all of our time in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is this really familiar passage of Scripture that we usually break out uh, when uh, trouble comes. This is a pretty appropriate thing, considering the week uh, or so that this church has gone through with the loss of Michael Sanderson. This is the psalm of comfort. This is the psalm of, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And so as a community, I feel like God has even ordained this time to be uh, just right for us. And so it isn't just a sermon series. Uh, Some time ago, I wrote a devotional that goes along with it. And so the way this is designed is that every Sunday I'll stand here and I will uh, preach a verse or two. And then throughout the week, Monday through Saturday, there's a devotional for each day that goes along with that week. And so we want everybody to have this, and there's no uh, money needs to be made on this. And so what we've done is today, if you went on Amazon and you uh, type in Psalm 23 devotional, this will be the first one that comes up, and it's free today uh, on any device you have. Like if you have a computer, and a smartphone, a Kindle, whatever, you can get the ebook version for free. If you need paper, you're welcome to purchase that, but you don't need to do that. The other way we're going to make it available to you, both for you and so you can share with people in your life who you may read one and go, gosh, I wish she heard that, or I wish he could read that. Every single day on the Covenant Facebook page, we'll also put that day's devotional up. And so if you are uh, the kind of person who starts your day on Facebook, I know no one does that. But if you were that kind of person, you could actually do it guilt-free now. You could start at 6 a.m. and you can read your daily devotional. And if it's something you want to share, you can share it. If it's something you want to discuss, you can comment. And as a community, we can kind of sink into this, dwell deeply in this scripture for the next uh, month to come. And so if you would, um, I would like to pray as we get started. Heavenly Father, you are in charge. God, you are the comforter. You are the shepherd. You are uh, sovereign in all things. So Father, we uh, lay ourselves at your feet and we ask you to illuminate scripture to us, to bring something that may be familiar to many. Father, give it a fresh, revitalized meaning in our own lives. God, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, William Evans uh, said about Psalm 23, he said, The world could afford to spare many a magnificent library better than it could dispense with this little psalm of six verses. Six verses is all that Psalm 23 is, and yet we're going to spend a month on six verses. And in that, we're going to see God's provision this week, and then his peace, his protection, his prosperity, and finally his presence. And in these five weeks, we're going to see these things just dripping through, not only the language of the psalmist, but as that ties through in the Gospels as well. And so what I want to do to get started is to just read Psalm 23 in its entirety. And my hope and my prayer as a community is that as we go through this for a month, that every single day we'll be reading this in its entirety. And by the end of this five-week series, that there won't be a single person in Covenant Church who wouldn't be able to just rattle off Psalm 23 if you asked. And so it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk. Through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows, and surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are the very words of God. 
This is the beauty that we're going to dwell in. This is a way not only for us to see uh, God, but it's a filter with which to see ourselves. As we look at Psalm 23, we see the picture of the good shepherd. The picture of the good shepherd is on full display for us, and the filter we have to then apply is, if God is the shepherd, then who are we? We're the sheep. We're the sheep. And so as we look at simply verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What we see immediately is God has made a way for provision. The shepherd is totally responsible. Anybody in here uh, worked with sheep before? Nobody. This, I can say whatever I want. You won't know. One, okay. Sheep are really smart, intelligent animals, aren't they? No, he's shaking his head. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are vulnerable. And this is who we're being compared to. If God is the shepherd, then we are his sheep. And sheep are not known for their intelligence. A shepherd has to be totally responsible for his sheep. And so what we learn really quickly is if the Lord is my shepherd, then I am his sheep. And if I am his sheep, then if I should lack for anything, I have to look back to him. The question I would ask kind of overarching today is what do you yearn for? What is it in, in, in your heart of hearts, in your deepest parts of your soul, what is it that you yearn for? What do you want? What's that thing... First thing when you wake up, last thing when you go to bed. What's that thing when your mind starts to wonder, when you start to daydream? What is it that you yearn for? The reality is sheep are totally dependent. When the sheep need shade from the sun, the shepherd guides them there. When the sheep need refuge from the storm, the shepherd guides them there. The shepherd provides. The reality for sheep is they can't provide for themselves. Sheep, in order to thrive, they require a shepherd. And they wouldn't know what they needed if it bit them. And this is who we are. If you think about it this way, um, one or two of you have children. I've noticed there's a couple children. This church is uh, swarming with children. It's as if you kicked an anthill and just children just scurry everywhere. And it's a great thing. You know this as well as I do. When you have kids, uh, you learn that there's a difference between wants and needs. So I'm going to invite Brixton. Brixton, will you come here for a minute? Sure, she says. I didn't warn her, but she likes the spotlight, so be careful. I might not get her back off the stage. Come on up here. Brixton, can you say hi to the people? Hi. Okay. This is Brixton. Uh, Bella will be up here uh, weeks to come because I can't help but use my kids as sermon illustrations, and uh, somebody will pay for their counseling one day. So, Brixton, can you tell me what you asked me for this morning? I, I was home. I had to go home and get something, and you wanted something to eat. Do you remember what you wanted? No? Did you want an apple? No. Did you ask me for candy? Yes. <laughs> Brixton, this is failing so badly. Okay. Can you say goodbye to the people? Okay, bye. Okay. I go home this morning at 7 o'clock. I forgot something. I was up here, and I forgot something at home, so I ran home real fast, and I walk in the door, and they're like, you're home. Is it over? And I said, no, it hasn't started yet, but I'm grabbing my thing. I'm walking right back out the door, and Brixton goes, dad, 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 can I have some candy? 7 a.m. This is not abnormal in my home either. This is what Brixton asks for every morning. Bella is the conscientious daughter. She wants something healthy, and she's thinking about, like you know, like, calorie content and what is the fat ratio and 
Dad, let me add some flaxseed to the way. So, you know, she's got like the whole thing. And Brixton just goes, can I just have some candy? And I said, no. And she goes, but I, I really want some candy. And this was interesting to me because I had planned on using that as my sermon illustration anyway today. And she goes, but I want some candy. And it occurs to me that what we want and what we need are often very different, aren't they? And here's the thing. When our needs are met, we want different things. Think about it this way. Have you ever been to a restaurant? You get to the restaurant and you are hungry. You show up and you, they hand you the menu and you're like, I want one of everything. I want two of everything and bring the dessert first. You know that feeling when you're just famished and you're ready. And then you order the biggest thing you can find on the menu. This happened to me uh, last night. It happens all the time. And, and you start eating. And all of a sudden you're being nourished. And you get to the end of your meal and you're full. And then they come by and they take your plate and they ask you what? Did you save room for dessert? And when you came in, what your thought was is bring me one of everything and bring the dessert first. And when you're done eating the main course, you then sit back and you go, no chance. Dessert menu, and you're like, that is offensive. Get that away from me. I don't want anything to do with dessert. You gave me two big portions. I'm full and I'm done. What I want and what I need are different depending on the context. So often we live in a world where we know what we want, but we only want it because we don't have what we need. I go to the restaurant and I'm hungry, and so I want everything, especially the things that aren't good for me. Once I'm full, I look around. I don't want any of that. They say, don't grocery shop hungry. Why? Because you just go down those middle aisles and it's like Cheetos, Pop-Tarts, I'm done. You get home, you have none of the things you came for because you're just hungry. You want something you can eat now. Because what you want when you don't have what you need is radically different than what you, what you want when you have what you need. David picks up on this. The psalmist picks up on this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus picks up on this theme later. What, what we learn is in the process of pain, in the process of waiting, in the process of life, the shepherd knows what we need. And that's something we have to believe and we have to live out. The shepherd knows what we need. What we want is often very different than what we need. I would argue that the truth is this. The quickest route to a heart that grows cold towards God is not hardship but comfort. The quickest route to a heart that grows cold to God is not hardship, but it's comfort. And who among us pray for more hardship? Who among us ask for more difficulty? Who among us say, God, bring tragedy to my life? None of us want that. And yet the quickest way to a heart that grows cold to God is not, it's not hardship. It's not a week like this week when a church rallies around a family. When a church bands together. I told someone this morning, I feel like I've seen every single one of you every day this week. That's beautiful. And I would never have wanted that. And yet, even in the things we don't want, God provides what we need. I've never wanted for a challenging season of my life. Think about the challenging seasons of your life. Think about the times in your life when you've been most challenged. And then think about the way that God provided in that season. Think about the things that God showed you in that season. Think about that you never would have asked for that season. I so often can see just what I needed once I look at a problem in hindsight. I can never see it in advance. Otherwise, I'd avoid it. Tim Keller says, if you could see what God could see, you would not want what you now want. 
but you would want what you so clearly need. And so for us to recognize our role as sheep and God's role as shepherd, the sheep don't know what lies in front of them. The shepherd knows. And so the beginning of this psalm is a plea for us to learn to trust in a whole new way. It's to get ourselves out of the mindset of being in control and get ourselves back in the place where we submit to a God who knows all things and has our good in mind. Some of us are in seasons where we're too tired to know what is what. We're exhausted, we're in a battle. Some of us in the room say, I don't know if I can keep going. I don't even know what I want, much less what I need. I just try to make it to the next day. The reality is the world spends its time trying to get you to want everything in the world. That's what the world is doing all day. The world sells us what we want. A trustworthy shepherd shows us what we need. In John 10, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand. He's not concerned about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own and my own, they know me. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold and I must bring them also. They will hear my voice. They will become one flock with one shepherd. And so what is pointed out here is there are two different voices to follow. And it's up to us to know the difference. There's two voices. There's the voice of the world that is selling us, that is marketing to us every single thing we could possibly want. These are life's hired hands. As soon as you have what you want, trouble comes and they flee. The world says you want a new bike or different style. The world says you want better abs. Or if you don't want that, maybe better ice cream. The world says you want a new house, a new job, a new spouse. The world lays out for you that which you don't have and says, this is what would make you happy. What the world is selling you is meaning. If you only had this, then your life would be meaningful. If you only had this, your life would be significant. If you only had this, then you'd be happy. You remember Sally Struthers in the 80s? She'd come on TV and she would say, do you want to make more money? Sure, we all do. And then she would list all the different terrible jobs no one ever wanted that you could get through her, like, phone course in daytime television. Veterinary cleanup assistant. You're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want that job. But that's what she, you know, do you want to make more money? It was not, it was a rhetorical question. Sure, we all do. The world says if you make more money, then these problems you have will disappear. The reality is, it doesn't work that way. Because many of us have been there, new job. Many of us have been there. New stuff, new diet, new spouse. These are the rhythms of life on earth. And all of them leave us wanting for greater meaning. So the question becomes, what do we allow to shepherd us? What is it that's actually guiding us? What is the thing, the voice? Where's the voice? Are we listening to the voice of the world that says, With just the right marketing tone, you can want this, have this, and then you'll be happy. 
What hired hands in your life are you giving over control to? Sex, money, status, power, career. The reality is they all fail us because they all run when the wolf comes near. They all fail because they aren't concerned with you. Because buying the product, the product's not concerned with you. Because changing the job, the job's not concerned with you. Reality is in the hands of the world, I always need more to be satisfied. Remember when you made this much money and you said, if I could just make this, and you made that, and you said, you know what, if I could just make this, you made that, and if I could just, in the hands of the world, I always need more to be satisfied. In the hands of the good shepherd, I shall not want. I lack nothing. I may not have what I want, but I'd have what I needed, and if I had what I needed, it would change what I wanted, and then I lack nothing. But we have to know his voice. So what voice do you answer to? What voice do you dwell with? That's the idea of this whole series is that we would find a whole month where we would dwell in the house of the Lord. That every morning we'd open up a devotional, we'd read a section of scripture and we would say, Lord, I want to dwell with you. Let me know your voice because so many people tell me, hey, that's cool for you. You know, you're Mr. Religious or something, but I don't know God's voice. I don't know what to listen to. And the response to that is always, it's here. He left it for us. It's his voice, and it's his character revealed, and it is the story of our rescue. And if we would simply sit under his voice, we would begin to recognize it not only in our morning devotional, but in our lunchtime with the waitress who's having a bad day and how to offer her grace. And we'd learn it with our spouse when when we're short on patience and we need to find more grace. And we'd learn it with our children when they just need mercy or they just, we would learn it. But we have to sit with his voice. The beauty is we have a trustworthy Savior who not only says he will provide for us, Jesus actually becomes our provision. Think about this. Jesus not only says, I will provide for you, he becomes our provision for salvation on the cross when there was no other way. This is the type of voice that wants to speak into our life. We have total provision. We have total provision to so much that we can say, I shall not want. The promotion, I don't want that. The money, I don't want that. The change, I don't want that. I want what God wants for me, which is to say I want what I need. Romans 8, 31 and 32, Paul says this, What then shall we say, if God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's, Jesus is, comes to earth as God's only son, and God goes, you know what? Gosh, my people need this. So I'm going to give my only son up for their sake. And Paul comes back around and Paul goes, if he would not give up, he gave up his son. People with children, give up your child so that others might know freedom. There's no higher price. And God says, I freely give him. What lesser things are you worried about? When you were dead in your trespasses, I gave my son over to torture and death. And through the resurrection, you now have life. What lesser things, what little tiny ones, what pebbles on the ground are you still wondering about, worrying about, crying about? When I would give you this, what would I deny you if you surely needed it? In the hands of the world, we sit vulnerable. In the hands of the Father, we lack for nothing. 
He's been proven faithful. Through Jesus, we see the extravagant love of a good God. The good shepherd is the great provider. And so in our hour of greatest need, he gave the greatest gift. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep is not some metaphor of a wisdom book. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep is the meta-narrative over all of eternity that the good shepherd laid his life down for you and I. God is the ultimate provider. And so if he didn't spare his son on our behalf, what lesser things would he withhold? What lesser things are we unwilling to trust God with? God is a God of rescue and redemption. If we simply listen to his voice. So the question becomes, what are you going through? What do you want? What do you need? In the process of life, in the waiting of life, it matters what voice we're listening to. We have a good shepherd. That in our weakness, he is our strength. In our lack, he is our provision. In the storms of life, he is rescuer, he is redeemer. Maybe you're desperate for God to provide something today. Every heart in this room longs for something different. None of those longings are invalid. Are they in line with God, though? I like to say everyone is in a battle. You'll hear me say that all the time. Because it's true. Some are big. Storms that are right upon you. And some are small. But they're no less meaningful to the person fighting the battle today. Every single one of us is in a battle. You'll also hear me say that it's okay not to be okay. Just don't stay there. So if you're in here today and you say, I am in a storm, I'm in a battle, I'm in a thing, and I really, what I need is for God to tell me what I need because I need to get out of this place. A relationship, career, spiritual bondage, whatever that is, it's okay not to be okay. Just don't stay there. God will provide physically what you need when we rest and trust him as our shepherd. He will provide emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Some of us are in a spot where we actually physically need God to grab us and put us on his shoulders. Like the stained glass picture you might have seen before of the shepherd carrying the sheep around his neck. There are seasons of life where it is okay for God to carry us. As you think about the seasons you've been through in your life, you think about the hardest times you've walked through, I would challenge you to consider whether he's already been carrying you this far. In my darkest hours, when I look back, I recognize the times of greatest trial, the times of greatest struggle, and the times of greatest darkness. In the moments where I was ready to lash out or run away or give up, I look back at my life and I say, how did I get here from there? And only in sitting in Psalm 23 did I recognize. I look back and I, I don't think anymore that I persevered or that I fought through it. I don't see that anymore. I see the picture of a shepherd picking up a stubborn sheep and putting him on his shoulder and carrying him through. This is the picture of our lives that we were disabled by sin we were dead in our sin we were hopeless in this life and the shepherd came and picked us up and put us on his shoulders and said you are coming with me 
That's the kind of God I want to follow. And that's the kind of God I need to remember every single day. Because that is a voice I want to trust. That is a voice I want to teach to my children. That's a voice I want to learn to recognize at every turn. A God who's provided everything I need. A God who wants nothing less for me than everything I've ever needed. And he started with Jesus. So maybe today is your day to come back to the shepherd. Maybe in your own heart you would recognize a season where you've been distant from the shepherd, where you've stopped recognizing the voice of a good God. Maybe today is your day to come back, to in your own heart, to recommit, to take a 30-day challenge to sit in the voice, to sit at the feet of a good shepherd. Let me take communion today. There's an opportunity there to have a symbolic bread dipped in the grape juice. That's a thing to do. But it's lost if we don't take it as what Jesus intended it for, to remember. Do this in remembrance of me. And so maybe today as we sit and Greg and the worship team come back up, we listen to that first song. Maybe that's the time to get our hearts back in right order. To remember what it is that God had done for us. Remember what it is he wants to do in us. And as the Holy Spirit speaks and the Holy Spirit moves, then you move. And that bread today is your remembrance of a shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. Of blood spilled so that you and I might be free. It's nothing magical. But there is beauty in the remembrance of a king. So my challenge today is that we would get right. We would find center. We would get right. And we'd find ourselves in proper place again, proper perspective of our own lives. We are sheep in desperate need of a shepherd. If you're a skeptic in this place, that's a good place to be. When folks start getting up and going to the bread and doing what we do as followers of Jesus, if you're not yet a follower, I don't want you to feel pressure to do that for a half a second. This is a great place, I said it, to not be okay. This is a great place to not believe yet. This is a great place to still have questions that haven't been answered. And so maybe while others stand and go, if that's you, man, feel no pressure. Sit and rest under the words of the scripture. Rest under the words of the song that Greg leads us in and allow God to speak to you that way. There's no safer place to be with big questions or with a renewed focus on who our Savior is. And so for us, as a community, we have a God who provides, and today we celebrate him. Amen? Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we worship.